This July 4th, celebrate the spirit of freedom and comfort with Minky Couture Blankets. Wrap yourself in the softness of luxury minky fabric as you cozy up under the stars and stripes. Our blankets are designed to ignite your patriotic pride and keep you warm all night long. From backyard barbecues to fireworks in the sky, make every moment memorable with Minky Couture. Indulge in the ultimate comfort and style this Independence Day. Visit us at MinkyCouture.com or your nearest store today and embrace the true essence of July 4th with Minky Couture Blankets. Freedom has never felt so cozy. Welcome to our podcast, Timothy Put the Cattell on. I'm Sarah Cattell and this is Timothy R. Andrews. Hello and thank you for joining us. Timothy Put the Cattell on is a podcast looking at issues within hospitality, solutions and inspirational stories from the sector. The podcast is shared on all major platforms, iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud and Spotify, and it's marketed on social media. We're delighted to welcome author, speaker and events expert, Paul Cook. Welcome back, Paul. Lovely to have you on the show. Happy Christmas. Merry Christmas. A lot of people in hospitality and events are really struggling at the moment. And a lot of people are now thinking about their future careers and changing careers and what that might look like. But a lot of people are actually very afraid to do that. You did it. You changed careers. You even closed a business and you haven't looked back. Hopefully your story will inspire people to make a leap and have confidence to make a change in their life. Well, you're one of the people we know who has taken on and conquered climbing Mount Kilimanjaro, and that huge achievement has changed your life. So tell us about that. Yeah, thanks, Tim. Um, I didn't think I was going to have a career change, really. Uh, I thought I was just going to walk up a mountain. <laughs> Little did I know. Oh, my do. goodness. <laughs> it was just, you know, it was one of those things where it's very easy to say, uh, yeah, one day, yeah, we we do uh, we we uh, climb a mountain. We climb Kilimanjaro. I had, had it always been one of my big ambitions. Not really. It was more other people's ambition than mine. Um, and I I was a I was approached by one of the one of my friends. We were in a, in a pub on a Friday night. He'd left his place of work, and he said, "Right, I'm taking a year out." Uh, I didn't enjoy what I was doing um, and I, I want to climb Kilimanjaro and we, you've often said you'd be up for that as well so do you want to do that and I said to him get me a beer and I'll, I'll, I'll think about it so this was in uh, November of 2015 he bought me a beer I drank the beer and, and I kind of thought well why not let's do it you know, I was okay. I was working at the time. I I had a, an insurance business and it was all around events. That was okay. But I also had my other company. I had Planet Planet as well. And I was doing a bunch of other things around events and around insurance. And that was fine. And in the middle of all of this, I was getting ready as much as I could, as much as you could prepare for going up a mountain, um, getting the jabs, getting all of the stuff that you have to do, getting all of the kits, spending a load of money on it. But it wasn't till I landed in Tanzania, got off the flight with the, a bunch of people that were going to do this as well. So there were 14 of us. And when we met the, uh, the guides at the airport, 
uh, and I met the, the, the guide leader. Uh, and he's like a mini Indiana Jones, really. Not that he's small, but just the way he comes across. It's just incredible, right? And he sat there. He was in this minibus. We said hello. And I knew in that instant, I suddenly knew why I was there. And I thought, this is it. I'm here and I've got a job to do. And that job is to, to get up this mountain and, and down it. And I knew that I was really going to enjoy it. I'm going to listen to what he said. I'm just here. I can't do anything else. I can't write any emails. I wouldn't want to write any emails. There was no connection anyway. I'd taken a time out of work. Everybody that I loved and supported me was back home. You know, the guy that was my tent mate, we were going up this thing together. But he was the only person I knew. So that was it. Uh, and apart from the team of porters that you get to know over a period of time. But it was fantastic. They do advise you as well. They say, OK, don't try to walk faster than the guide. <laughs> Sounds a bit obvious. <laughs> but the first day, you've got such inclination to go, right, OK, we want to get on. We want to get there. And they're always going, poly, poly, slowly, slowly, keep going slowly. And it's solid advice because you don't know what you're really doing. So my mantra through this was safe up, safe down. That's all I needed to do. And the way I was going to do that was I was going to listen to what they told me to do. And I was just going to do it. And I knew that I was in good hands. So I put complete trust in the people around me. Every single day, we would go out and we'd follow their instructions. And we'd get to know these porters. And every day they're carrying your, your, your kit up. What you carry is basically a, a rucksack, a, a day sack. So it's got your wet gear in. It's got some food. It's got other kind of essentials, torch, you know, those kind of things. But it doesn't have anything else. So all of the stuff that you're going to need for later on in the journey is, is being carried up um, by, by the porters. And they allow you to take 15 kilos now, I don't know if you've ever weighed 15 kilos, but that is a heck of a lot for somebody to lug up. And in addition, to carry their own other kit as well, and to carry the tents and the loo and everything else that traipses up the mountain with you. And I remember looking at one of these porters, lugging all this stuff up, thinking, I really hope I didn't pack too much because you want to travel as light as you can because anything extra is is extra work for them to do and you get a real bonding with these guys and girls you know there are men and women of all ages that go up and for our group of 14 people there were i'd say there are about 50 60 people and they are with you every step of the way and then obviously we've got our crew and our crew basically like indian and his boys that are experts in this stuff but everybody is an expert on the mountain the sacrifice is incredible because they're away from their families as well and i was just kind of really taken by that and i think that what was happening in my world was i was beginning to really look at things differently and and to really value not that i didn't value life and all the things around it but all the material stuff just kind of fell away that stuff wasn't important. It was just all of us together on this journey and how much we were helping each other. What they would do, and it still leaves me with um, a little throat 
is they would clap you in and they would sing you in every single night as you came into camp. So they were the last people to leave breakfast. They'd pack up all the tents and everything else. They'd pack up all the camp. You would be struggling up this mountain doing the best you could. These people would overtake you on rocky ledges, which was so narrow that, you know, anybody could easily fall off. Then go, they'd make the camp up. They'd then put all your food on and they'd be clapping you in. It's like, who does this? This is just mind blowing. And, and of course, you know, along the way you get to uh, think you've got time to really think about some of these issues and all of that stuff the camaraderie the clutter what what am I really doing on this stuff they're all bubbling along underneath you and you don't realize because you think you're just out doing a walk and it's not a walk it's a bloody great trek and anybody that says it's like a Sunday afternoon stroll just has not done it but what happened in our group was that we had these 14 people we all bonded as a as a group and we all looked out for each other um, and, and that was special. So we had this bond going on with, within us. We had the crew bond and then we also had the, the bond with all the porters and everybody else that was, uh, was around. You take five days up, two days down, and then the, the rest of the time is acclimatisation and, uh, and then travel. So you're away for, for basically two weeks. We got used to the cold nights. We got used to the shocking weather because there was one day when it just rained constantly and it was ice cold as well, which meant that you could take off all, all the clothes, but they were never going to dry. And there was no way of, of drying this stuff. And sometimes we were, would be at a camp where there was no water other than a mile or so further down, down the road but the porters would just go and get it so that they could wash the dishes. It was just incredible. But when it came to the, when it came to summit night and summit night is the one that everybody is mindful of because however bullshy or however pigheaded you may be, summit night is the leveler for everybody. Now, all the while that these porters have been carrying all of your kit in, in that kit, there's also been a, uh, a bag and you put all of your summit gear into this bag and you know where it is and what you're going to wear on that night because you don't have time to think and this is a big thing because your brain is going to go to mush very quickly so as you get higher up the mountain your headaches start the brain starts to go you need to be really uh, mindful of those things and just aware that they're going to happen so what they do is say We'd walked all the way to the high camp and we'd got there about um, nine or 10 o'clock in the morning. And then they basically give you some breakfast and then you sleep uh, and you sleep for some of the afternoon. But you don't really sleep because you're on adrenaline. You are kind of aware that this big anticipation is going to come. And what are you going to do? And you're going to do your very best to, you know, to make it to to get up this uh, up this mountain. And so you have a, a light supper and then they send you off to bed and you're still not sleeping. Well, I wasn't sleeping. I don't know anybody else that slept. And they wake you up at 11 o'clock at night and you start walking at midnight and you walk through until eight o'clock in the morning. And the reason is that this is a time of when the mountain 
is at its hardest uh, in terms of giving you the footing that you need because if it's if it's warm it's all shale and, and stone and you're going to slide all over the place which is no good to anybody so the way it was described it's like going up in a deep freeze but then you have to come back in you you're kind of in a microwave oven because it gets very hot very quickly once you're at the top of the mountain we were all still together as a group nobody had been sent down because people do get sent down earlier on if they're not going to make it so a lot of people would have gone before this point but all 14 of us are still together you know on the on a final stretch now so we got woken up at 11 at night i tell you to put your kit on and then go into the mess tent we have a we have tea we have ginger nuts final briefing and then away you go i found myself right at the very back of the group and we set off and it was just horrid if you can imagine, you're dressed up like a kind of Michelin Man um, advert. You've got layer upon layer on. You are in pitch black. Uh, the only way that you can see is by the light of your head torch. And you know that the excitement and the adrenaline is pumping through everybody. And you want to succeed and you want everybody else to get there. And we step out from our base camp and we start walking and the wind is is blowing a gale at about 45 miles an hour now it doesn't sound a lot but bearing in mind at this point we are 4700 meters up a mountain so it's quite quite um, something to be blown about um, we're having to go in single file and it's minus 18 so your body starts to close down almost immediately because you think I'm really cold and the only thing that wasn't cold on me as, as we journeyed up was for some bizarre reason my left hand <laughs> everything else was just frozen as we went as we went up but I was at the back and the winds are howling and they assigned you with a, a guide so that you could um, you know somebody would be there uh, with you to give you water and other stuff and we we had a break after about 45 minutes we had a break and the indiana jones guy came up to me and he said he said i'm going to shift you and i said i said why he said we don't like you at the back you hate it at the back and also the pace isn't isn't enough he said you've been at the front all week and you've kept up and the, that's pulled the whole group on and i said to him it's not a race As, and he said yeah i know but we do need to still move even though we've got these hours ahead of us they know exactly where you should be at each stage right so i get moved up to the front and suddenly i'm feeling much better it's like yes i'm here I've got a guy next to me i'm feeling better and we start so we carry on trudging and when i say trudge it's like imagine the smallest step that you could ever take and that's what you're doing. And it's like, it must be like a moonwalk almost because it is so tiny and just so, um, there's so much effort that's going in every time just to make the most simplest of steps. But the hours are rolling on, the darkness is pitch. The, there's no uh, moonlight. There's nothing to guide you other than the head torches and your guide. And you are aching all over there's just no way and the wind has not let up the cold hasn't got any better in fact it's got worse and there's just no end in sight 
and back home you would be saying yeah just put one foot in front of the other it's easy one foot that's all you gotta do that's what everybody tells you and yes you can't criticize them for giving you that advice but your brain is mush and all you can do is just keep on going but it is so hard it is so hard But I kept on going. And then I got to a point where I started to cough. And then the next thing I knew was that I was literally lying. Um, I was on the floor. I had keeled over. Uh, I'm being ill. And I'm crying because at that point, I just think, that's it. It's, it's game over for me because the, you know, the guy's going to come up and he's going to turn around and say, Paul, you're done. You've got to get off this mountain and go now. And uh, so, yeah, I'm in a horrible stage. It's just not working for me at all. And I'm just thinking, how? How am I going to do this? I've got no energy. I've got no reserves here. And I, I didn't even know, but the group, some of the group went past me and they patted me on the back. Uh, and I didn't even know. They were kind of giving me the kind of thumbs up to to keep going. But I'm just spaced out. I have no idea. But somehow, I, I managed to just drag myself back. And I drank some water. Um, and I just found something inside. And I don't know. It wasn't my brain telling me. It wasn't my body. It... it it was unbelievable how I kind of got back up again, uh, but I did. But I managed to dr drag myself out of the gutter and and just back into some semblance of having to go up. And the winds haven't let down. They are still going as strong as ever. It is still as dark as ever. The body is, is spent, but somehow I, I kept moving. But what I didn't do and didn't want to do was I didn't want to look up. Because I knew that if I looked up, I would probably not be able to, to cope with it. The guide is with me. He's my man. He's been there. <laughs> He's going to stay with me. And we are getting up this thing. And the time still keeps going. And you've got no idea what's happening. And you literally are in automaton mode and not even realizing what you're doing. I'm moving along slowly and I hear this bubble of voices around me and somebody is saying, Paul, for Christ's sake, look up. I'm going, nope, I'm not looking up, not until I've got there. Can you just look up? And I'm aware that there's more than one voice now. So I did. I was at the top. At that moment, just as I'm looking up, the sun comes up. And the sunrise starts and it's like amazing. I can see around me and suddenly the whole thing has become that much clearer. The wind has subsided, the, the brightness has come out. I'm, I'm here, uh, we got to the board. We took the photo that you see on the Facebook and everywhere else that says we're at the top. And then literally I got to um, 
I've got to find a, a, a little space and then just sobbed my heart out for 15 minutes. I sobbed because it was such an achievement but I thought of all the people that had helped me get there, all the people back home, all the people that had been on that crew and those porters and everyone else and it was just amazing. Now what I did, in answer to your question earlier, much earlier, about what that did for career change, was I came down off that mountain. I knew that I had to declutter my life, and part of that meant uh, just uh, deciding that I wasn't going to be in insurance anymore. I didn't love it enough, so I got. I decided to do exit that, and I did. I decided I, I was going to do much more creative work in events which led to the writing that I do, the hybrid and the virtual events. I thought I'm going to just do a lot more of this. Um, I had a new respect for uh, all of the invisible roles that people play and enable you to do something. And I think that really resonates with events and hospitality. And it's all of those little people and the, the little touches they can make that make the difference. Uh, and I think it said to me, life is so precious. You cannot be doing things that you're just not, that you don't love enough. So if you don't love something enough, you've just got to um, leave it. It's really that simple. Timothy, put the cartel on. Porters Thank You, a poem written by Paul Cook, dedicated to the porters at Kilimanjaro. Na washukuru wote, mnifanya ndutu yetu ya kupanda Kilimanjaro kuwa kweli. Mtabaki kuwa kwa kumbuka kwetu miaka yote. Thank you, each and every one of you. You made our dreams of climbing Kili come true. You looked after us and took away our fears. You will live in our memories for years and years. This July 4th, celebrate the spirit of freedom and comfort with Minky Couture Blankets. Wrap yourself in the softness of luxury minky fabric as you cozy up under the stars and stripes. Our blankets are designed to ignite your patriotic pride and keep you warm all night long. From backyard barbecues to fireworks in the sky, make every moment memorable with Minky Couture. Indulge in the ultimate comfort and style this Independence Day. Visit us at MinkyCouture.com or your nearest store today and embrace the true essence of July 4th with Minky Couture Blankets. Freedom has never felt so cozy.